All right. Well, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Can you catch us up to speed on where we last left Michaela? So basically, she was struggling to pay her student loans and basic necessities like rent. And her plan was to be on OnlyFans for a month. And that was going to provide great content for her YouTube channel, which was something at the time that she was more interested in. Turns out she made money and was like, you know what? Maybe this is like a great cash cow. And now I'm going to have all these different revenue streams and I'm going to stay on OnlyFans. And she built up this very successful OnlyFans brand is in the top 0.01% of the best OnlyFans people or whatever. And she spends a lot of her time building up other people in the community and also uses her YouTube channel to talk about tips of how to get successful on OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. helpful videos about credit scores and financial information. And I think where we left off was she had been on OnlyFans for a year Mm -hmm. and had made $100,000 or a little over $100,000. 103. Mm -hmm. 103, my bad. Did I miss anything? Yes. We had left her and then in May she had bought a house. Right. What adulting. Like I can't even, like I literally can't even conceive of what that must be like. But she also has like a lot of house content now. And generally, as you said, is like doing well despite some of those OnlyFans hiccups with referral incentives being changed and other things. But something I hadn't shared with you last time is that at that point in May 2021, when she had bought her house, she had not made an OnlyFans related video since March, two months previously. And so at that point, we're getting a ton of house content, but nothing about OnlyFans. Mm. And this is her longest OnlyFans related content gap since she started before that we were getting at least one a month and so is she still posting on OnlyFans though I think she was still posting on OnlyFans I mean she has been at least after May 2021 posting so I think she was posting between March and May and she's still posting on her Instagram and her Twitter and her YouTube but just not about OnlyFans and so the next OnlyFans related video finally comes out in June 2021. And I guess like before I dive into that, something I really want to drive home is I appreciate so much how transparent she is. Like I can't get over how much I've learned from her being so honest about her experience. Like she's always shown us how many fans she has, what percent of creators she's in, how much she's grossing, how much she's netting, how much she has to pay in taxes. Like Mm -hmm. she has made a video on all of her gripes with the platform. She's very happy to criticize it and then like help people avoid her mistakes. Like, wow, I've just appreciated her transparency at every step of the way. But this June 2021 video is the first time that it's not just transparent. We really see the toll some of these hiccups have started taking on her. And one we haven't talked about yet that surfaces as particularly salient and like aggravating in this June video is web restrictions. So for years, other social media platforms and like websites have been tightening up their web restrictions. Like Twitter has always been the most flexible and it is pretty OnlyFans friendly. And she's made it clear in a few other videos, I think we've talked about this, that like if she put her OnlyFans link in her Instagram bio, her account would be like unrecoverably deleted immediately. Oh. But now, even on YouTube, which used to be more flexible, she's had to start putting her referral link in the comments. That's a link that people can click on to sign up. 
that would then earn Michaela the 5% bonus. Mm -hmm. And so that link she has to put in the comments and then pin it because if she puts it in the description, the video will be taken down. The description of the video, that is. So she can't put it there anymore. And she can't put her OnlyFans link, just the link to her page, not even the referral link. So what she started doing is instead of writing OnlyFans.com slash Michaela Samantri, she's just writing .com slash Michaela Samantri and writing like OF link here Mm -hmm. to call attention to what it is without making it so specific that her video will be taken down. And this starts happening after the big OnlyFans like boom? Yes. So I think her first video, she was able to put her links in the description and she felt kind of surprised that YouTube all of a sudden changed the way it did. Like she knew Instagram was pretty strict, but and the video gets taken down, not just demonetized. Mm, that's a good question. I'm actually not sure. So I thought it was taken down, but it, I guess is impacted in some way, like adversely impacted, maybe demonetized, maybe taken down. How is, how is anyone gonna get anybody to know about their OnlyFans now? If they have to have that specific link, if you can't advertise it anywhere. Well, I know. And so they can mention it in the video and often like the text in the thumbnail preview of the video will say OnlyFans and even the titles say OnlyFans, but the links, the links are being restricted to some degree. So her titles will stay, still say like, Update on OnlyFans, but then her descriptions don't have any of the links. What if you have an OnlyFans that's teaching people how to knit or something? Are they also scrubbing those? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay. They really so it's are. just a war against OnlyFans. Yeah. All around. Exactly. Sort of this like undiscerning scrubbing of all OnlyFans links, no matter what. And in addition to that, she had been working on a website starting in, I think, January 2021 that she was calling the Only Creators Club. And that was having a ton of like blog posts with tips and tricks and forums for creators to interact with each other and form friendships, but also learn from each other and pass along resources that were just maybe like, here's how to make more money, but also possibly harm reduction. Like, hey, if someone asks you this, this is probably a scam, you should block them or more severe. So she didn't mention which hosting platform she was using for that website, but it was taken down. So after like six months of really hard work and the website is permanently shut down and she looks like really bummed to the point of her not being able to talk about it. Like she doesn't go into any details. She's like, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of you have been asking me about what's happening with the only creators club and it's taken down and kind of like, that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. All of this is nothing new. Like in December of 2020, So I guess seven-ish months before this June 2021 video that we're talking about now, MasterCard and Visa had announced that they would stop working with Pornhub due to allegations of child porn. And while child porn is obviously absolutely completely unacceptable, I just do think that that decision with these payment processors is pretty transparently, to me, this is my opinion, a PR stunt because there's zero attention paid to its impact, like who this will actually help and who this will actually hurt. The incident rates of child sexual assault material, or what I think is pronounced CSAM, C-S-A-M, on Facebook is significantly higher than it is almost anywhere else. And I don't know if that's because they have a much more sophisticated and robust moderating program that uses automation and human moderators combined. I don't know if incident rates on other sites are lower because they just don't care to moderate. And if that's the case, that's also bad. But the point is that like it should be incumbent on whoever is demanding change to figure out 
is there a problem here or not? And if the incident rates are really low, I think like additional investigation would be required before you stop working with a site and like incite this maybe small scale, maybe large scale moral panic about child porn and sex trafficking on this website when for all we know, it's much worse on Facebook. That is so sketchy to think about. <laughs> I know. Like it's just Facebook. Like it's just like moms and then <laughs> child trafficking. Like what? Oh my god. It's like like women selling leggings to each other and like child trafficking. <laughs> I mean <laughs> But it's yeah, so this is nothing new. I mean like web restrictions and third parties kind of pressuring different websites. That's been going on for years. They've been doing the same thing with Tumblr and Patreon and Twitch and it's it's been happening and it's kind of been this like cultural tide that's like changing. These rules, though, that are ostensibly targeted at preventing online sex trafficking, which no one really knows the true numbers for, it ends up also sweeping up with that creators' community spaces and sex workers' community spaces and harm reduction spaces and resources. And it makes it impossible for creators and sex workers to organize or enjoy any kind of stability. Because then, if you're someone who is not the unverified user uploading child porn to Pornhub, but you're actually a verified user who charges for your content, and now MasterCard won't let any of their cards be processed on that website, now you're shit out of luck and your income is reduced. And so they feel, as sex workers, where I saw at least one who said she feels like, She's just being asked to run from one platform to another, to another, to another. And they're not enjoying like any stability. Yeah. Meanwhile, no one has any idea if they're reducing sex trafficking or not. And she's like, okay, sick. So Michaela, poor Michaela is like, Michaela's just visibly downtrodden and deflated. And like all of her OnlyFans videos to date had been so optimistic and energetic and cheery and like proud of herself. Like she was really radiating this positivity and excitement about like having turned her life around. And now in this video, you can just tell the energy is sort of not there. She in so many words, but also in just how she's acting is like, it's just clear that it's taken her a few months to motivate the filming of this video. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people in her comments of the video who are being really encouraging and always grateful to her for all of the tips that she gives. But there are also people in her comments who are echoing her sentiments. So I'm going to send you one comment that I'll have you read and then I'll read another one. Okay. It's been difficult to promote with the growing stigma and oversaturation of OF creators. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Which I just feel like the oversaturation is obviously a result of that referral incentive structure. Yeah. But I also think the growing stigma is kind of driving at those web restrictions. Like it's it's hard to promote anywhere if everywhere is taking down any post that mentions OnlyFans. Yeah, I mean, the growing stigma, I think, is the real problem. And, and like the oversaturation, obviously a site is going to create incentives to get users onto it. And if more people want to be a part mm-hmm. of that community or want to be sex workers, like that's... I don't really feel like you can entirely complain about that, like more people mm-hmm. wanting to enter that market. Like, sure, that's what happens when things look attractive and you want to join it and you're just going to have to compete, I guess, in how our economic structure is set up. But the growing stigma, that's like a huge barrier. I mean, if every site is going to be banning you, you can't promote it, rules change, you have to jump around, mm-hmm. then it doesn't even really matter if there's a bunch of people in the market. Like, if you can't go anywhere, you can't go anywhere. If you can't trade. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, that, yeah, is a huge barrier to 
running your business. If the barrier is you're not allowed to run your business, like (laughs) (laughs) no money's coming in, man. (laughs) So another comment I saw was, quote, I'm glad to hear you're still doing well on OnlyFans. I personally have taken a huge break on it. I got pretty depressed for a while and just didn't feel like posting, but I've been thinking about starting up again. I definitely know it can be draining. And OnlyFans always reminds me about my body issues, being non-binary and working on getting some gender reassignment surgery slash top surgery. I've been very reluctant to upload to OnlyFans. A part of me is thinking about revamping my OnlyFans after surgery. It's just one of those things, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I feel so strongly that sex work is work and that it requires, as we've talked about, so much organization and drive and forethought and savvy and that it can be empowering and that erotica and healthy expression of sexuality is important and necessary and that especially creating erotica for earnest, loving, curious people can be fulfilling and more. And I completely understand that, but I also completely understand why people would be traumatized by the industry, especially with all of these laws that create such instability and laws that criminalize the activity to a point where so much activity has to be underground and you're stigmatized and you can't you don't feel like you can turn to law enforcement so it's easier for people to take advantage of you and so you're taken advantage of maybe by your clients maybe by the industry and then especially if you're experiencing gender dysphoria so i think like it's it's i think this comment just sort of reminded me that like this is not a binary of you either are wholly empowered by sex work and it's amazing and you love it and you're just like feeling great and it makes you feel wonderful about your body or wholly exploited by everybody at every touch point. Mm. It feels like this is an industry that is stigmatized and therefore I think there's more room for exploitation to occur and the trauma and exhaustion and the burnout seems so apparent and so gut-wrenching and it just like a lot of that feels like it's coming from the stigmatization and the changing laws and the changing restrictions. Yeah. And I think both sides can happen at the at the same time. Like you could be very much choosing to be in sex work and very empowered by it and still have those touch points of being taken advantage of and mm-hmm. being exploited and having to overcome those things. I doubt that anyone that's in sex work has just had like no friction, had a very easy time in the like their whole career and I mean I guess that's kind of true for any industry especially if you're part of a marginalized group yeah no it's a good point because I think you know if you feel like okay this is the only way I can pay my bills well now you enter the industry and now because it is so heavily stigmatized and ineptly regulated Mm -hmm. there are also very few platforms for example like OnlyFans where you can enjoy stability and autonomy and so when there are Let's say only one OnlyFans equivalent online. They get to decide what the referral incentives are and what the price caps are. And so that also... Because OnlyFans doesn't have a lot of... Do they have any competitors? There are a few, but not not in like, I feel, the public zeitgeist. Like I haven't... Yeah. Looking all of these up, I had never heard of any of them besides OnlyFans. And I think they're, the number of users is much lower. And I'm not sure if the functionality is quite as good. Like... I think ultimately, too, what's hard is if you're a company with more servers and more cloud storage yeah. and space, like if you have more yeah. resources to keep a website up and running 24-7, that is still more attractive and there aren't enough options yeah. like that. Yeah. And that would happen in any industry where there's a monopoly or yes. seemingly a monopoly. They hold all the cards. Yes. You don't have a lot of leverage right because where are you gonna go because the only regulation people are interested in pushing is banning it entirely which means yeah. there's never going to be regulation that is 
protecting the sex worker and just so, gonna push everything more underground make it more unsafe right and so it's it's hard and then in terms of just how people talk about it like i will say i previously worked at this like hashtag girl boss millennial brand startup and i chose to work there with many other options and i still felt after a few months of getting an inside look like I was being completely and totally taken advantage of and mm-hmm. exploited. And a lot of people that I've spoken to who used to work at nonprofits have felt the exact same way yeah. where they feel like their time and their work and their skill set and their energy and their kindness is just being exploited in like yeah. there's space for us to talk about that and complain about that. But I almost feel like now it's almost happening with OnlyFans or at least what was happening at the beginning of the beginning of the pandemic with people who are not as transparent as Michaela is that if they mention even one gripe it becomes like see sex work is wholly exploitative and therefore we need to ban it entirely which is not ultimately going to serve them so they err on the side of romanticizing it yeah to the point of also not legislating because it's like no it's so amazing that then you don't want to make it seem like you need more legislation and I just feel like it becomes this big mess (laughs) yeah like in other industries that are obviously not stigmatized, completely accepted, you have the freedom to complain about your job <laughs> and you can come home and say, my boss sucks or I feel like I'm being taken advantage of or there's all these like pay your dues steps and blah, blah, blah. And no one's going to be like, eradicate the industry. <laughs> exactly. We need to get rid of all banks. And it's like, all right. Yeah. I mean, OK, but if an industry is as stigmatized as sex work it's either gonna be oh my god everything about sex work is awful you're not allowed to have any room to just have like a complaint and still want to be there or a lot of like victim blaming and being Mm -hmm. like well then why are you doing this to yourself like why did you you're choosing to have this Mm -hmm. OnlyFans account like why are you complaining you put yourself there yeah it's like so it's so weird how we simultaneously strip these sex workers of their agency mm-hmm. and also then blame them for it. We've talked about this in the past as being yeah. like, it can't possibly be a choice, but also like, why the fuck would you ever do that? It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know that was a relatively short comment that had me going down a spiral of feeling my feels, but I felt like reading this, it was almost this comment I felt was almost sort of directionlessly venting about their experience over the past few months and it seemed to really reflect sort of the ups and downs and the grappling with working on OnlyFans. It's such a hard topic to to dissect Mm -hmm. I feel like and especially from the outside and not having a direct relationship to it and like holding both holding both like the desire to advocate for people having agency over their body choice over what they do with it spaces to do sex work or whatever they want to do with their bodily autonomy and recognizing that because of the stigma how unregulated everything is how do we protect people from being trafficked and assaulted Mm -hmm. and taken advantage of and I don't think the answer to that is further stigma like I don't think more stigma is gonna fix stigma or like (laughs) completely banning it it's just so unrealistic like it's going to keep happening whether you ban it or not. So especially what? if you're not addressing the root cause. Yeah. Like not- how do we protect people 
in every space. Like, how do we protect the people that are being exploited and the people that are not being given the freedom to run their business? Right, right. So now is the time in our story where we get to August 2021 and Congresswoman Anne Wagner enters the chat. (laughs) Have you heard of her? No. Oh, man. So to familiarize you with Anne Wagner, I thought we could start with her platform. So I'm going to send you a link to her website and I'm hoping, I mean, there's just so much we don't have time to unpack, frankly, but can you start with the economy and jobs section? I'll read a few more sections. We'll tie it together later, but just, just to get us going, here's her, her platform on her website. Wow. That is some big hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on our issues page, got a lot of stuff. One of them, economy and jobs. Let's see. What do you think? Across the second district and our nation, the economy and jobs remain the top concerns for American families. For too many years, Washington cultivated an environment of high taxes, overregulation, and crippling debt that sidelined capital and hurt job creation throughout our economy. So that's like a taste of Ann Wagner. Um, Okay. Another one I'm going to read quickly is the protecting life section (laughs) oh god whose life whose life oh my god well no one living of course of course so ironic i can't (sighs) protecting the unborn is one of my most precious duties as the unborn (laughs) i'm sorry I believe that life from conception to natural death is our greatest gift and a gift that our country has far too often taken for granted. One of my very first trips to Washington, D.C. was to take part in the annual march from the St. Louis Arch to the U.S. Capitol in support in support of the sanctity of life. Ironically, there's a section right below protecting life that I, I'm hoping you might read. Protecting life. Okay. Second Amendment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> As a strong supporter of the Second Amendment, the individual right to own a gun is very important to me. I believe that our founding fathers, oh God, meant for all law-abiding citizens to have the right to bear and maintain firearms. Whether it is for hunting or marksmanship, firearms are an integral part of American sportsmanship and recreation. They're also an integral part of violence and... It's so... I'm like, how... I will never reconcile these things. I cannot understand i'm literally looking at it and it feels fictional like it feels like how do you on your website put protecting life right next to bearing arms i also think that the word unborn honestly kind of sounds like undead zombies like (laughs) nobody to me it just kind of sounds like what a republican would do in like a like a sketch comedy about like what they think of like liberal snowflake of like, yeah. we want everything for everyone, even those who have not even existed yet. And they'd be like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like people that aren't even here. And that's what they're saying. Uh, like, it's just it's just so flagrantly hypocritical. But there are a few other delightful nuggets. And by delightful, I mean terrifying, <laughs> um, including a section on immigration. She obviously believes in stronger border security. She... Interestingly, has no section on healthcare on this, which I am not too. You know what protects protects life? (gasps) Access to quality and affordable (laughs) healthcare. So now we're going to jump back in time a little bit as we familiarize ourselves further with Ann Wagner. I know in our Michaela storyline, 
our OnlyFans storyline. We're at August 2021, but we're we're jumping back to 2018 really quickly just to keep talking about Anne. Have you heard of Sesta Fosta? No. Okay. I also, it's probably something you've read more than you've heard said aloud, so (laughs) I might not be saying it correctly, but here's like a brief summary. Basically, SESTA, S-C-S-T-A, the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, and FOSTA, which was Allow States to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, they were these like Senate in-house bills. They became law in April 2018, and they just like, I guess, make it or like clarify that it's illegal to knowingly assist, facilitate, and support sex trafficking even online. And online sex traffickers, the minute they, no, excuse me, (laughs) online sex workers, the minute they heard about this bill before it was even signed into law, they were like, this will make it hard for us to organize because this will make it hard for us to advertise our own work without the assistance of a middle person. This make it harder for us to stream clients. It'll make us harder for us to organize on the internet. It'll push us to the streets and into violent situations. And this is bad. We need a sex worker union. Um, We need unions in general. (laughs) (laughs) So they, so those, so there were immediately kind of opponents to the bills slash law. And others have also demonstrated that the platform, like the platforms that still facilitate sex work, just will like increase their prices and exploitative practices. And so as we talked about earlier, these sex workers in this unstable environment have less bargaining power because the services that are still available to them or the platforms that are still available to them know they have very few places to turn. So the reason I bring up this law is because Ann Wagner sponsored it. And I find it so ironic because she conflates sex trafficking with sex work Mm -hmm. and she also believes in owning guns and like it just feels so hypocritical and backwards to care about potential sexual violence that you can't substantiate but not care about very real repeatedly substantiated gun violence and so she sponsors this law it catalyzes sort of a lot of like the web restrictions that we've been talking about it seems to catalyze tumblr's ban of adult content which wiped out a lot of community spaces because the ended flagging- tumblr yeah <laughs> ended tumblr <laughs> um because the flagging algorithm was not sophisticated and it aired on the side of like flagging way too much and there was this hashtag like hashtag too sexy for tumblr that became this like meme because people's like literal patent diagrams for shoe brushes like that shit was being flagged like all of this stuff was being flagged as like potential sex trafficking or like adult content or whatever (laughs) and so i'm not (laughs) suggesting that like we have human moderators i know that's draining and like incredibly difficult possibly traumatizing work i'm not suggesting that we have more resources invested into a better algorithm i'm just saying i don't know that this flagging or this restriction in the first place was the right place to start. And I just think that if you're like sincerely worried about the people with their backs up the wall financially and don't want them to be trafficked and want to make sure that they are taken care of and you like actually care about providing safety and comfort and resources to these people, then having sweeping restrictive bans of adult content is not going to be as effective as like, A, pushing legislation like loan forgiveness or universal basic income or socialized healthcare or affordable housing. And it's also not going to be effective as like, B, talking to fucking sex workers and like figuring out why, like, 
why did you end up in this position in the first place? Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really frustrating is that the bills themselves, like, did not have pretty much any evidence that, like, A, it would work, (laughs) but the opponents had a lot of evidence that this would really, really harm sex workers. But they've also, since the passage of the bill, or, like, since the bill became law, and claims that nearly 90% of all sex trafficking online has been shut down. Where is she getting that number? (laughs) It's literally like, what do you mean 90? This was, and she claimed that three months after the bill became law. Like, what do you mean 90% of sex trafficking? And like, the other problem is that sex trafficking is bad, obviously. However, a lot of sex trafficking statistics made by members of Congress, including Ann Wagner, are misleading or faulty or not real. Like, they're not real and they're very exaggerated. People don't have good data on it. But people are, like, making up these numbers. And she claimed once that there were, like, 300,000 girls in the U.S. that were at risk of being sex trafficked. What does that mean? First of all, yeah, what does that mean? (laughs) Also, it was not a Justice Department figure, but a number plucked out of a, quote, stale, decades-old study that had not been peer-reviewed and is largely discredited. So it's like you're not even proving, like, not only are you not proving that your bill is going to be effective, while a ton of people are proving the ways in which it will be ineffective or harmful, you also don't even provide any reason that we need it in the first place. Like, you're not able to prove that, like, sex trafficking is a huge problem. Turns out in this, like, 2016 Justice Department study, the total number of juveniles they found in the sex trade in the U.S. was between nine and 10,000. So different from 300,000. Still too high, still not good. But it's just like it's not it's not what Anne's saying. And like she can't answer Anne to these also, discrepancies. Anne is saying at risk of. Like yeah. <laughs> how do you determine that someone is at risk of being sexually trafficked? I would love to know. Like <laughs> what should I look out for? Yes. <laughs> like and I swear to God, if it's like they don't have the funds to go to college, I'm gonna th- freaking flip my table because then just fucking pay for them to go to fucking college and i'm sure there are way more than three hundred thousand people that can't afford college so (laughs) in this country i i am not a stats expert but it confuses me how we would even have data about like if we had like reliable data of how many people are currently being sexually trafficked how do we get that without knowing like where they are right maybe that's a stupid question and maybe there's like a very good answer about how they predict those things but that's always confused me like data about Mm -hmm. like oh there's all these people in the sex trade and i'm like uh how do you know did you talk to them and then they were like hey i'm being sexually trafficked and then you were like cool i'm just gonna go write this down somewhere and do nothing about your situation How does that work? I don't know. I mean, I'm realizing now that I really don't know. And I don't... I wish we could get Anne on the phone. I'm sure she would not have anything helpful to say. But (laughs) that in and of itself would be informative. That... Yeah. Knowing that she also has no idea where these never come from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So despite the lack of evidence Anne and other proponents of this bill are able to provide that, A... We need this law in the first place or that sex trafficking is a big problem or a bigger problem than like, I don't know, like depression among teens or whatever. (laughs) Not that they're mutually exclusive, but besides the fact that she's unable to provide evidence for the existence of the problem or evidence that her bill will help sweeps through Congress with overwhelming support. Mm. And the law targets not just sex trafficking, but they're like, 
as I mentioned earlier, because she conflates sex trafficking and sex work, like consensual sex work, even though obviously I understand there are gradations of consent when options are limited, but she conflates the two. And so she kind of like smuggles in consensual sex work into this bill. So like all of that is sort of wrapped up in FOSTA-SESTA, not just sex trafficking. And that's where the sort of harm to sex workers is able to flourish. Mm-hmm. Now, you go. <laughs> well, no, it's just, I was going to say that it's sneaky because it's all like PR, right? Like how you package something. Mm-hmm. If you say, we want to end sex trafficking online, offline, do you support that? The way that's framed, people are going to be like, yeah. Of course. Duh. Of course. <laughs> if your personal definition of sex trafficking includes sex work in all forms, then you're being a little misleading. But even even saying that, I do think that the level of stigma that sex work has and the approach that a lot of legislators think that just passing laws will automatically change everything all the time with no further follow-up or systems in place that I can also see a sweeping bill that directly names or banning sex work also passing easily. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so. like, I'm so glad you brought up the point about the way in which they package their agenda, because we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. And that's going to be sort of like the final twist in the story. But before then, we're going to jump back to where we left our timeline. So we're going back to August 2021. Michaela had just released her June 2021 video about OnlyFans. And Ann Wagner has entered the chat. And now that we know who she is, I'll tell you what happened. So she so she leads a bipartisan coalition calling for the DOJ to investigate OnlyFans for child exploitation. Once again, she has no proof. Mm. And I'm going to read you this letter that she writes. I'm reading the exact quote. This is this is all we have. This is all we have as justification for why OnlyFans needs to be investigated. Okay. <clears throat> quote, with the COVID-19 pandemic forcing our kids to spend more time isolated and online, it is our responsibility to ensure children are protected from bad actors operating via the internet. Of particular concern is the website OnlyFans.com which has become a major marketplace for buying and selling child sexual abuse material, CSAM, in the United States, as well as soliciting sexual activity with minors. We write today to call your attention to potentially illegal activity, including child sexual exploitation, that this website is facilitating. Is that true? Like, Well, I'm glad you asked, because no one else seems to be asking, and she's certainly not providing any answers. That's all we have. That's it. Yeah, because I I thought maybe she would say, like, there's some sort of, I guess, like, that algorithm that Apple has been talking about that was lately in the news or whatever to match images of child pornography to a database of known child pornography. Mm. Like, is there some sort of sweep happening on OnlyFans where they're matching images to an existing database and therefore they have full confirmation that it's happening and might be indicative of the creation of child porn on this site or is this just like a speculation I, no i have no idea i think what she wants is for them to perform such a scan okay to match potential child pornography to an existing database and like shut the whole thing down like burn it to the ground but 
we have no reason to believe it's happening on OnlyFans. That's such a weird approach because like, <laughs> what if it's not happening? And then like, if your goal is to shut down OnlyFans because you don't like sex work, then why don't you just uh, tackle it from that angle? Like, why are you going through something that you don't even know is happening? Right. Because what if it's not? Then you don't get to shut down OnlyFans. Right. And like, again, child porn is bad. And I think any number of incidents is too many. 100%. But it just highlights how insidious her motivations are when she's targeting OnlyFans, not because of the incident rate, but just because she's like, oh, like it's a sex work platform. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. And like, do you know if anyone's experiencing harm? Have you heard from any OnlyFans creator that they feel taken advantage of? Because if you if you've listened to them talk, you'll hear them be upset about like the referral incentive changing. And maybe you would be in higher support of like regulating corporations, which she, as we read on her platform of her website is not in support of like if you if you've heard from them any complaints like it wouldn't be what you're writing to the doj about and i i just think it's like incumbent on the congresswoman to look into that before inciting moral panic as we've talked about yeah and also there are probably ways to adjust the site to avoid child pornography then okay because this is happening I don't think the only solution is taking down OnlyFans. Like if a site like YouTube, if they found that people were using YouTube videos or comments or something to elicit child pornography, I don't feel like people would say, okay, the only option is to get rid of YouTube. Like, right. Well, it feels like whack-a-mole, right? Like, okay, first you're gonna, first we get rid of adult content on Tumblr. Okay, fine. Then Twitch, then Patreon, then what then OnlyFans? then youtube like, yeah it, it, we're playing a game of whack-a-mole because you yeah. refuse to address the root cause exactly you have a problem with fucking child porn address why people are doing that like stop yeah trying to be like let's be an only fans it's not working it isn't working it's like we've arresting been, drug playing- dealers <laughs> like do you think that that's gonna three more are gonna show up like that is not gonna stop people from using drugs <laughs> but it's such an easy pr stunt because it gets you the bipartisan support and your constituents can agree that you're doing something ethically upstanding. And yeah, all politicians want is to get reelected. Right. It doesn't matter the impact of your legislation. Just as long as your constituents think that, oh, I love Ann Wagner because she's really, you know, she doesn't like child porn and neither do I. Like, okay, (laughs) great. But then like if her policies aren't actually fixing the problem like i so often i feel like we don't follow through with oh i love this person this is what they stand for and then they pass this great bill but did that bill do anything no maybe we need to circle back no it didn't it literally didn't she says as you know that oh we reduced trafficking by whatever 90 percent. okay so worldwide like sex related ads online had a daily average of about 105,000 when FOSTA-SESTA bill package was passed in March on March 21st, 2018. And then this website, Backpage, was closed on April 5th, so a few weeks later, because a chief executive had pleaded guilty to charges, money, money laundering. It's a whole thing. But so ads plummet like 20% with the closure of Backpage, which has nothing to do with FOSTA-SESTA. Then ads, daily rates, like continue plunging, and they reach a low of about 19,000 on April 17th for a total decline of 82%. So never hits 90, just in case you're wondering. 
And then by the time they posted that video where she was like, we've reduced all sex trafficking by nearly 90%. Ads, sex trade ads were back up about 50% of the daily volume that they were before March 2018. And then as of August 11th, 2018, they were back up at 75%. Because as we talked about, this game of whack-a-mole, when you don't address the root cause, shit's going to pop up elsewhere. And so she's like so self-congratulatory. And you're like, dude, you're just getting yourself reelected. That's all you're doing. And that's all you care about. And that's the only impact you're having besides also like wiping out queer community spaces online and like making it harder for sex workers to organize that's it that's all you're doing mm-hmm. <sighs> Anne. <laughs> god damn it Anne. god damn it Anne. anyways only fans as you mentioned at the top of this whole saga a few days later after ann wagner leads this coalition and writes this letter to the doj only fans bans explicit content so payment processors, they're like pressured to stop working previously with Pornhub and Patreon and Tumblr and Twitch. And now OnlyFans is citing pressure from MasterCard and Visa and groups like this as the reason that they are going to ban sexually explicit content. And it's hard because I don't have visibility into how much pressure MasterCard and Visa and maybe their investors were like actually putting on OnlyFans to make this decision. So I don't know how much pressure they were actually under. But I just find it so frustrating that like sex workers literally built their platform and these like Tim Stokely and other like white C-suite execs at the company are profiting off of the backs of these women. And as we talked about, I don't know the demo breakouts of the creators, but it's like you're profiting off of these women and then like completely ripping the rug out from under them. Again, I don't know how much pressure they were under, but I can understand even if the pressure is coming from payment processors and even if payment processors are being pressured by Exodus Cry and Ann Wagner, I can understand sex workers and OnlyFans creators being existentially mad at OnlyFans in that moment because Mm -hmm. they've been building a business and now all of that, they might have to migrate somewhere else. And where, where? Nowhere. Yeah, where? Mm -hmm. It's funny too, when you mentioned how OnlyFans didn't have the infrastructure to deal with a lot of refunds. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be bad. Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, funny that you say that because it didn't happen, right? OnlyFans really quickly reverses the ban exactly because of the outcry, which is very stunning and shocking and exciting not to get like too optimistic. But like I, I was very excited about the fact that the response from the sex workers on the platform was taken seriously. But with respect to Michaela, we have still not heard from her since her last downtrodden episode and she posts she's i mean she's posted a lot of non OnlyFans related content but now now we've had an even longer gap in OnlyFans related content than we did before and so the videos are coming less and less frequently and we're not sure when when there will be another one which i think is just like sad i mean i would have loved to know what she thought about this ban and the reversal of the ban but i'm sure she's just like so exhausted by the continual bait and switch of of only fans and the industry in general yeah do you have any thoughts as to why she's not putting out this content i think she's just exhausted i think that the burnout timeline in the industry as it is now is really short i think a year and a half sounds like it might be par for the course i really don't know i haven't looked this in depth into anyone else's story besides michaela But I think the excitement of the cash flow can sustain you for a long time and then the instability. And like once you've hit a critical mass of bait and switches and okay, now I now my website that I worked on was taken down. Now this referral incentive has changed. Now there's a price cap. Now sexual 
content is banned from OnlyFans. I think once you've hit like your fair share of hurdles, which for anyone is inevitable, no matter when you started, be it 2020 or now or 10 years ago, I think the burnout is just inevitable. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, she's been very savvy thus far, maybe seeing how much, how many different like shifts OnlyFans has gone through. Maybe she's like, well, I can't really rely on this being Mm -hmm. consistent forever. So I'm going to be known for other content, too, Mm -hmm. so that if this one revenue stream goes away, I now have a YouTube channel that's not just about OnlyFans. It's also about Mm -hmm. financial literacy and my house that I'm bought and decorating or whatever. Like she has maybe something else Mm -hmm. to fall on and her merch line and all of these things and Yeah, because she is savvy and because she also, growing up, had such money and security, I think it's good that she's in a position where she can start putting her eggs in different baskets or keep putting her eggs in different baskets. But obviously not every OnlyFans creator is able to do that. And so I'm not really sure how the burnout affects other people. I mean, I know we saw that comment from the non-binary creator who was like, I was really into it for a while and then I just found it like depressing and I'm like thinking of restarting, but uh, yeah, it just seems like she had developed a strategy based on what money she was going to make from referrals and based on being able to have this only creators club. And like, I think it must become tiring to try and keep adjusting your strategy and keep investing in things that ultimately are of no use to you because the landscape of the site or other social media sites has completely changed now. Yeah. And so just when she gets comfortable or feels like fluent or literate in one minor part of like her little OnlyFans ecosystem, it changes and she has to relearn everything and redevelop a strategy and promote differently. And it just sounds like I know everyone deals with like industry updates, but I don't think many people outside of the sex work industry deal with this level of pivoting and moving and instability sounds very exhausting i know it really does so that's kind of the end of the story is that just you know ann wagner leads this coalition and OnlyFans seems to ban sexually explicit content almost in response to that and then they reverse the ban which on the one hand is obviously heartening but obviously it still seems like the instability of the industry has a significant mental impact on the creators themselves and we haven't heard from michaela but As we kind of wrap up, one thing I wanted to mention is the reason I originally looked into OnlyFans is because I had seen a lot of people online talking about it as an MLM. Mm. And I, because I have recently been learning about MLMs, was so excited to just like come in and expose OnlyFans as an MLM and do a complete and total takedown is really what I thought this episode was going to be. And then as I researched, I was like, this is so much messier than I thought it was going to be. And so I want to be sensitive to why people think it might be an MLM and admit there are red flags. And I've sort of peppered some of them in along the way. Like, is it the referral program? Is that why people? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Like the referral is a huge part of your income and it leads to that oversaturation, which does feel a bit MLM-y, right? Like, the oversaturation, making it harder for you to do business and all of your money coming from referrals like that. That is reminiscent of Avon and other MLMs. Having having your clients do your marketing for you. Multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. Also, the language around it of be your own boss, make thousands in a week, like all of this too good to be true language that we've already talked about, like romanticizing it to the point of obscuring 
how much legislation we need in the industry. Also, the levels, the like moving goalposts of like, oh, do this yeah. and you'll be the top zero percent. Oh, do this and you'll be top one, and like wearing it like a badge of honor. Yeah. So I get why people see that and are concerned. And MLMs are a problem, and like exposing them is important, and preventing people from getting trapped inside of them is important. But it is just like at hand, like not a fucking MLM. First of all, you don't have to buy in. There, like you don't go into debt. You don't have to buy like a crate yeah. of makeup. And then resell it. Yeah. You're not going to go into debt. There's no minimum number of sales you have to meet each month that if you don't meet, you end up just buying out yourself. Like, you're not going to go into debt. You're not paying to level up. Right. Exactly. You're not like, well, if you can't sell as much as you want, but you still want to be a supervisor, just buy the inventory. No. Like, yeah. you sell if you want, and it's your content. And you're <laughs> going to have a garage full of LuLaRoe leggings. Yeah. Little less hands-on. <laughs> yeah. Also, referral your referral money, it's a bonus. It's not being cut out of the yeah. person you referred. Like, it's not being cut out of their income. So, obviously, while the market is becoming saturated, it's still, it's still like, not the same referral incentive structure. Also, OnlyFans creators, like, current OnlyFans creators criticize OnlyFans all the time. And they're, like, very transparent with all of their earnings. And, like, there is no veil of secrecy around whether or not you'll make money or what the name of the company is and in fact like your profit margin is infinitely higher at OnlyFans I I know we mentioned that Michaela is a top zero percent creator and made a hundred thousand dollars a year and put a lot of work into it so to reiterate you will not become a feet picks millionaire in a week but you still have a better profit margin so for example at this MLM like limelight the retail price of their makeup that they make you buy or sorry they make you buy this makeup and then they suggest that you retail it at only 20 percent higher than the wholesale price they make you buy it at so for example if limelight sells you a makeup palette for a hundred dollars and you resell it for 120 you're netting 20 bucks but in that case limelight got their money first and they walked away with 83 percent of the revenue whereas with OnlyFans, if you sell a premium photo bundle for 120 you're walking away with $96. That's very different than $20 at an MLM. And on top of that, OnlyFans didn't make money until you made money. It's not like you had to pay them yeah. first. And on average, people end up earning approximately like $150 or 180 a month. So it's not the six figures people might be promising you on YouTube. It's not the million dollars people might be promising you. But like you're not going into debt. And it's safe to criticize it. And it's safe to criticize it. And it's safe to say the name of the company like you're not going to get a message it's like hey boss babe like i have an opportunity for you but they don't mention the company name until you're on the phone like no that's not going to happen they're just going to post a youtube video about it and then also post a youtube video about the things they don't like about it yeah so i just thought we should quickly debunk the of is an mlm lie it's not a lie but we should debunk that theory because it's not Mm -hmm. but sort of my little epilogue to this whole story is that i ultimately even though I came into this episode thinking it was going to be an OnlyFans takedown, <laughs> I I ultimately don't think that they're the ones I'm really mad at. The ones I'm really mad at are people like Anne Wagner and this organization that I mentioned earlier called Exodus Cry. And I'm going to send you their website and I, I want to talk about them because this is where that packaging piece, that deceitful packaging piece comes into play where if you dress up really insidious intentions with language that sounds palatable to the masses. You can actually be incredibly influential and fly under the radar and almost no one really knows that you're the one pulling the strings. Now that's MLM-y. <laughs> Exodus Cry <laughs> is 
fucking nuts. I'm sending you their website. So they have a three-pronged approach of shifting culture, changing laws, and reaching out to not just end sex trafficking, but end the commercial sex industry in general. I need you to go to the Shifting Cultures page of their website and scroll down to the Societies Can Change case study. And please read me just all of it. <laughs> Describe what you see. Who is this? To me. <laughs> oh, you'll find out. <laughs> okay. There's like a picture that looks like a founding father on a dollar bill kind of drawing, like a pencil drawing. <laughs> Next to Societies Can Change case study. Is there, there's like a little blurb, but nothing is hyperlinked. Like when I click on case study, it doesn't lead me to a case study. One paragraph is not a case study. Anyway, um, in early 19th century Britain, William Wilberforce faced a similar challenge to the one we are facing today. He lived in a society that permitted and embraced slavery as a normal way of life. He knew that to enact change, he would need to change the culture. So he, alongside many like-minded abolitionists, launched a strategic grassroots campaign to educate the masses and change public opinion. Though it took decades, Wilberforce helped bring about a historic shift in the minds of the people, resulting in the abolition of slavery in the entire British Empire. So what do you think about them likening themselves to abolitionists? I mean, like, first of all, pipe down. Also, comparing sex trafficking but as you've said they conflate sex work and sex trafficking so i'm just gonna say that conflating sex work with slavery yeah you're just playing it fast and loose with a pretty loaded term you know yeah like maybe don't bring up like slavery man i don't know like (laughs) this makes you uncomfortable (laughs) but it's just like if you want to be like well I don't support slavery. And if this is modern day slavery, I want to be on the right side of history. I can see why someone would be turned around enough to be like, oh, fuck, let me donate to Exodus Cry. How does how does Ann Wagner feel about mass incarceration? Because that is modern day slavery. So you know what? Let me (laughs) go back to her issues. She does believe in strong border security. She believes that state and local law enforcement should cooperate with federal federal immigration authorities to make to ensure that our laws are respected and enforced. So there's a lot of, like, enforcing the law language on her site. Tough on crime rhetoric. Yeah, she has a big, like, defense and national security. It's just what annoys me about this is, like, okay, so you're citing sex trafficking, citing data about it that's very ambiguous, disproven, uh, not, we don't really understand where you're getting your information mm-hmm. and being like, no, but we need to figure this out. This is, this is our issue. Like this is modern day slavery. This is to say modern day slavery is also like not just the act of enslaving someone, but also that it's as widespread and as critical to the economy and to daily life as slavery was because slavery wasn't something that we didn't know was happening like it was a crucial part of the entire fabric of society so right uh, i don't think that the sex trafficking is like that scale Mm -hmm. for it to be akin to slavery in any way in terms of like it being that modern day slavery that's that phrase and using words like abolitionist and stuff like that like the thing that we are facing that is akin to that is mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. And that is what 
the current day abolitionists yeah. are talking about. That's the thing with like, that's like the government supported institutionalized, like exactly. stamp of approval. Exactly. Fucking pipeline shit. Yeah. It's not like hiding. I mean, it's hiding in plain sight, but it's not like no one's ever met a sex trafficker. Like we, no, and we, like, we know about prison. <laughs> so much data that mm-hmm. we like, there's taking the same words and rhetoric and framing as people who are actually trying to solve modern day slavery and using it for something that we don't have a lot of information about. Right. It's like, girl, what? It drives me crazy because again, like we were saying, it's like smuggling in these like super insidious goals. It's like when, um, it's like when anti-vaxxers use my body, my choice language. And I find it so frustrating Yeah, because it's like, you're co-opting this language that had like such important intent and impact and like instead you're using it to talk about vaccines your body your choice okay well you're choosing to live in a community where there are elderly and immunocompromised people and like you're benefiting from the pipes and the soccer leagues and the school systems and the buses and you're choosing to be a part of a community and in order to protect other people from getting literally fatal diseases yeah if they're going through chemo if someone at your children's school their whatever guardians are elderly whatever the case may be vaccines protect all of us and keep all of our communities functioning yeah and to co-opt the language as if the government is assaulting you (laughs) i think is so it is in such bad faith and i think that the same thing is happening here as you're saying where it's like Mm -hmm. you're taking the language of people who are working to abolish like the prison industrial complex and using it for something that you you have no data on. Yeah. But you're like, you're piggybacking off of the momentum of like prison abolitionists. Yeah. And like using that for your benefit. And it's so insidious. It's just so. Also, I'm sure somewhere else in the website, they talk about what their issue is. But if I just read this blurb out of context, they just say that this man, William, faced a similar challenge to the one we are facing today. What is that challenge? Because I could see this same blur being on a website about prison abolition. Like, you didn't even mention your cause. Yeah. I mean, they say at the top of the page, it's time to shine a light on the commercial sex industry and bl- break the cycle of exploitation. So they kind of mention it. But again, that's the commercial sex industry. Like, you don't even see in that in that page on this header anything about trafficking. And so all of the work they're doing to garner public support is pretending it's about sex trafficking. And it's not. It is about the sex industry. They have a problem with porn. They don't have a problem with trafficking. They're pretending they have a problem with trafficking, but they ultimately want to end the commercial sex industry. Because they're also very vague about it. Because in the the top of the website, they aren't... Yeah, sexual exploitation sounds kind of vague. And they say, we live in a pornified society that promotes sexual objectification and tolerates sexual exploitation. The sex sells mindset has saturated the world around us, even shaping the lives of our children. But what happens to a society that commercializes sex? Sexuality becomes separated from a real person and becomes a commodity. It becomes no more valuable than the product it's pushing. Though sex trafficking, okay, that's the first time that they mentioned sex trafficking, is a deeply disturbing injustice. Its existence is not all that shocking in light of the way much of our world views sexuality. Like the way they're talking about this too also feels like co-opting language from the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like it's very, di- okay, talking about sexual objectification and sex trafficking, obviously they're connected in some way, but 
being objectified on a daily basis as the way that women experience it and other marginalized groups and people of different genders that don't fit into our understanding of a binary like that is not sex traffic those are separate issues like right that's a cultural culturally embedded in us Mm -hmm. to think about sex and objectify people that we think we deserve access to sex trafficking is like one fringe manifestation of that in like the in like a very dark way but are we going to be talking on this website or is this organization also interested in like sexual assault on college campuses or or like inter like domestic violence uh, no, like these people any of that all support having guns and they're like ha like if you're stuck in an abusive marriage well like fuck you don't get a divorce but also like no like it's yeah it's all no yeah it's so backwards and like even melissa mccarthy who is a very successful and like pretty visible famous actress in the u.s donated to this organization and like she ended up publicly apologizing but not because of the reasons you and i are criticizing exodus cry for she apologized because they have a history of profound like bigotry and homophobia which a fucking course they do and, and I don't hold Melissa McCarthy to the standards I'm going to hold Congresswoman Ann Wagner to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a celebrity. She has a lot of money and she should be responsible with it and donate to, like, the right places. But she is not claiming to be – she's not claiming to be the public advocate that, like – or public servant that Congresswoman Ann Wagner is. And whatever. She donated to it. But the only criticism that came was not like, oh, she's doing harm – sort of indirectly to sex workers it was like oh the homophobia and the bigotry and so it's it's hard because like people still even in their criticism of melissa mccarthy are not realizing the problem with the way in which this organization is packaging what their agenda is and the way they're dressing it up so it's like it's it's crazy how it's crazy how effective it's been you know yeah and honestly to be fair to melissa mccarthy like if you hadn't sent me this link with the context that you did and connecting it to Ann Wagner and her mm-hmm. problematic views in their tab about what the problem is. Number one, the crime of filmed rape and non-consensual, non-consensual acts. I mean, same. I don't want people to film rape. Right. It, like, And two, the toxin of child exposure. I also think that young kids watching porn, I'm sure, can psychologically affect you. And, and being used for child born even more obviously Mm -hmm. the toxin of promoting abuse yeah we should not promote abuse the crime of coercing performers having people consent to being in porn and then changing up the things that they consented to and now they're being filmed doing something they didn't consent to i agree with all of that right and so it's so hard to vet what you're gonna donate time and money to because it's all packaged in ways that like you said, are palatable. And and I'm like, hell yeah, love it. All these things. Right, right. Like you would never, you would not, if you didn't do a crap ton of research on your own, you would not realize what's actually going on here. And it just like, it's frustrating that it's as people who just like want to do right by victims of assault. It's frustrating to think that like it's incumbent on us to wade through all of this sewage and try and figure out if they're effective or not. They're not, they're not. They've never been able to, do anything to reduce the rates of quote-unquote trafficking yeah they have been bigoted they've been homophobic they've hurt sex workers they've passed ridiculous bills they're not doing anything at all and so it's like it's it's frustrating that like there's nothing on this website that would like let you know any of the issues with the organization not that anyone would advertise that (laughs) but it's like they should do a better job if you're going to be collecting hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars from donors 
public figures and otherwise, you would you would think and you would hope that they would do a better job proving the need for their organization. And they don't. Yeah, they have a part here that says, shouldn't we shut down the whole porn industry? And their first paragraph says, while we believe that all porn creation and consumption is destructive to human sexuality and that eliminating porn everywhere would be a massive win for society, we are not trying to shut down the entire porn industry. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, and like, <laughs> it's again like, okay, same. I'm not trying to shut down the entire porn industry. But being like, let me preface by saying, I think that this is absolutely the worst thing ever. Disgusting. It would be such a win for society. Okay, if you think all of that, then why aren't you trying to shut down the entire porn industry? Like, be consistent. At least. Like, you think it's so destructive to society, but you don't want to get rid of it? I'm confused. And, but it's, and it's also something like, I do think that like negative imagery and power dynamics and violence that are shown and perpetuated in very popular porn right now yeah definitely have an impact on us and our psyches and our expressions of our sexuality for sure however i believe in the power of like healthy productive erotica as we talked about it can be fulfilling to create things that allow people to learn more about themselves with their partners and that that is important and i believe in the healthy expression of sexuality and I, i think that what's frustrating is that this actual desire even though they're saying they're not trying to shut down the entire porn industry the fact that they think eliminating porn everywhere would be a win they're not saying like oh we just like wish like we wish porn was like better representing of like genders and like was less violent and we wish we had porn that was like we wish people had access to like healthy porn that's not that's not what they're saying they want no porn at all and what's frustrating about that is like do you understand what happens in communities where people are not allowed to express their sexuality, where they are sexually repressed? It's assault. Yeah. Like, are you actually trying to prevent assault on children? Because if so, people people enjoy erotica and porn and reading fan fiction and smut and like fantasy smut. Like people have healthy ways of like yeah. learning about themselves and their desires. And like that outlet is actually very good, but sexual repression leads to violence so eliminating Mm -hmm. porn like you want eliminating all visible sexuality and all sexual content from everywhere is ultimately what they're driving at yeah and it's it's such coded like moralizing language Mm -hmm. they say as with any harmful substance the decision of whether or not to consume it will ultimately rest on each adult but we believe millions will stop consuming porn once they learn the truth of its harmful nature like no i'm not gonna stop reading like one direction fan fiction just because like you know what i mean like uh, people are still gonna be horny so just like you can make it less violent and to say that about porn too it's kind of like there isn't a um awareness issue like everybody knows that (laughs) porn exists and that and people talk about it a lot like the effects of porn yeah if kids should watch porn like sex is very much in the cultural conversation This is Mm -hmm. not like you're not saying something groundbreaking. Yeah. And having that moralizing language shows exactly what you really think, which is that there shouldn't be porn at all. But it feels like we'll start with the things that we think are the worst. And if they had said we want safer communities online and offline for sex work and for people to consume sexually explicit content in a way that's healthy for their sexuality and for their sex life. And these are some of the elements that we think are impeding that. Mm-hmm. That would be a different approach. And and not to be a little bit, I guess, like naive and 
idealistic to think that we could be in a world where nobody's ever getting abused or exploited sexually. I don't know if that's possible. But if you're starting from a place saying that we think porn is disgusting and horrible and it should be banned everywhere, but we're just going to do this. I don't know. I think if they were to accomplish what they're trying to do, which I don't think they will, that they would accomplish it by creating sweeping restrictions that would Mm -hmm. encompass not just child porn and sex trafficking, but consensual sex work because their framework is we think porn is horrible. Right. The last thing I want to show you from their website is almost impossible to find. It's on the FAQs page. I guess impossible to find is an unfair statement, but let's just say on the main pages in the navigation menu, you really don't see anything about what I'm about to show you and it would be hard to find it. It would take like multiple, multiple clicks to find this information on your own. Okay. But can you click on the link I just sent you and open the first FAQ that appears? Exos Cry is a faith-based organization. What does that mean? We strive to model our work on the character of Jesus. What? (laughs) What? Who demonstrated love and active compassion for all, especially for those who were oppressed and marginalized. Luke 4.18. Our team holds a strong value for prayer and, in fact, Exodus Cry first began as a prayer meeting. (laughs) Oh, my God. We freely offer assistance to all who are bound in exploitation regardless of their beliefs, and we partner with organizations from a variety of faith and non-faith backgrounds as we align on the common goal of abolishing trafficking and commercial exploitation. So this is an evangelical organization that is like ultimately with its you know, fancy footwork and kind of sophisticated copywriting and all of this stuff, working in tandem with congresswomen to pressure payment processors out of working with companies like Twitch, Tumblr, Pornhub, Patreon, OnlyFans. And I just, in this epilogue about Exodus Cry, I think this is where my frustration rests, is with this organization. Because ultimately, I don't think that a group that represents the interests of American evangelists and packages its purpose in the most deceitful possible way should be exerting as much influence as they are. Because the, stig- the stigma that they, alongside Ann Wagner and other groups, perpetuate is what makes it hard for people to leave sex work and what puts women in more violent situations. And I, I think that the only impact any of the legislation or initiatives are having is getting themselves more donations and more constituents or like more support from constituents without doing any of what they claim to do along the way. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, Exodus is in the name of the organization. That's true. But Exodus is a word that just sounds like ancient E and like maybe Latin or Greek or Hebrew or something and uh, academic. And like we have words like that all Mm -hmm. over the place. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the average person is like, oh, yeah, totally. I know what they're talking about. Right. Like I use the word Exodus in a secular sense so often I forgot it was religious. There you go. So I still think it's a little bit covert that it's a religious organization, especially that it's not on the landing page, that it's not like this is a faith-based organization. And maybe that's how they talk about it. But going off of this site, maybe not. And also, I don't know, like I understand that there are faith-based organizations, but we're supposed to have a separation of church and state. And so if we have organizations trying to influence policy and the basis of where they're coming from is religious Mm -hmm. that 
seems like you're kind of towing the line of not separating church and state. It, yeah, it's just like it's crazy because these bills ultimately do get bipartisan support in Congress and they do appear important to people whether they're religious or not. And, and, and that's what's so hard about teasing out what's going on here and why it's so hard to be like, okay, what's happening is an evangelical group that fucking hates porn and wants to end abortion. They, like They're the ones exerting influence. This like homophobic evangelical group is exerting this kind of influence over the sex work industry. It's hard. It's hard to tease that out because as we've talked about, end trafficking and abolish modern day slavery sounds great to Republicans and Democrats. It sounds great to faith-based organizations and communities and people who don't practice religion. Like it sounds good enough to enough people that it's very hard to like ultimately unravel all of the things going on here and reach the conclusion that they might be at the root of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the epilogue i mean exodus cry was the twist in the story that i never saw coming but i'm also not surprised should we start like a religious lobbying group or something like clearly that's how to get shit done and honestly we need like a sneaky copywriter and a religion and we're good to go if religious organizations can co-opt language from other movements to confuse people If their landing page can be reminiscent of the same language you might find on like a Black Lives Matter page, and then if you read the fine print, it's an evangelical organization and homophobic and they have all these problematic stances, then why can't we do the flip side? We put on our landing page all this religious propaganda. And then if you read the fine print, we're like, okay, we're prison abolitionists. Don't tell anyone. Our landing page is just going to be like, we believe that a life is a life no matter how small. And then our FAQs are going to be like, when we talk about small lives, we mean like children at schools that we're going to fund education and daycare and universal pre-K for and give yeah. pre- like like yeah. federalized parental leave. Like those are the small lives we're talking about. And no one's yeah. going to know. No one's going to know. If anti-vaxxers can say my body, my choice, then I can say pro-life on my website. And I'm going to say pro-life extends Fuck to yes. getting rid of the foster care system. <laughs> Getting rid of guns. <laughs> Protecting Mother Nature. Yes. Climate change oh is real. God. Yeah. Endangered species. They're technically lives, my my people. Come on. Reducing the maternal mortality rate. Yeah. That's the pro-life shit that I want to hear about. Black Lives Matter. A hundred million. Uh, and you know what else? Getting us to 99% vaccine rate. Is yes. the pro-life shit that I want to see. Universal health care. That's the pro-life yeah. shit. So why, what, you know what, I'm going to play your game right back. (laughs) Let's, let's start brainstorming names right after this. We'll just change the name (laughs) of the podcast to the pro-life podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I feel like we would actually get the wildest like listenership demographic of all time. Yeah. (sighs) They'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and people would like hate listen and then be like, hold on a second. These girls make some (laughs) dope points. (laughs) well do you have any any parting thoughts besides all of the things we've already shared oh god i mean we really tackled a lot i mean i hope michaela's doing well same (laughs) i also think that sex work is a complicated issue that we maybe don't have a good understanding or like language of how to discuss it in a nuanced way because of how much stigma there is and what we conflate 
with consensual sex work and i think we need to recognize all of the different reasons why people enter sex work and what their experiences are and how we can make it safer for them and how we can this is like not obviously a perfect comparison but thinking about like the military Mm -hmm. and people who really want to join the military have always wanted to join the military or decide were moved in some way and that's what they wanted to do and they have all these other things that they could do but they're like no this is what i'm what i want to dedicate my life to i want to go into the navy or something and then there are people who joining the military is the only way that they're going to get an education yeah and it's the only way it's their best job prospect given yeah where they're from so those people are getting themselves into a very dangerous situation, risking their lives to some degree. Yeah. And they are doing so out of desperation, not out of, I want to defend my country or this is something that my family is, everyone's been in the military or whatever it is. So with sex work, if you're joining it because, yeah, I could be doing a bunch of other different things, but this makes me feel hot and empowered and I like it, or it's a way that I can make a lot more money than I would in other spaces, or I get to have more autonomy. I don't have a manager. I can just, you know, organize my life and be self-employed to, you know, in some way. Great. But if somebody's joining OnlyFans or engaging in sex work in any way, that could be a lot more dangerous because they don't have other options that's where we have to be like all right what that's not a sex work problem that's that's a that's an economy problem we can't blame sex work we have to blame capitalism like we have to blame a bigger (laughs) structure yes i'm so glad you brought that up because you're right it isn't isolated to sex work and it is definitely a problem with the industry but the reason it's happening is this like broader This country in general, if they're cornering you into feeling like you have no options and you put yourself into the sex work industry or into the army because that's how you're going to get socialized healthcare or an education, then it seems like the common variable is the country. Yeah, it's a (laughs) lack of resources invested where they need to go. It's an access problem that manifests in certain industries differently than others. Right. But it's not coming from sex work. Wow. That just like really blew my mind. <laughs> I had never, I really had never thought about the military in that way, but you're right. Like I, I've seen so many people on Twitter be like, like I joined the military because this was my ticket out. Yeah. And this, this is how I went to college. Yeah. I got education paid for. Okay. Well, as always, um, this is a dumpster fire, <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, keep me posted on your name ideas for our forthcoming pro-life 5013C whatever the fuck nonprofit that we're going to have. We can co-opt too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Culture Colander is produced by Elisa Nolasco and Audra Fitzgerald. Show art by Angela Cho and music by Santiago Hervella. Research for each episode is conducted independently and is for entertainment purposes only. Information shared in the show reflects the best we know at this moment in time, and there is always more to learn. 